Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. It's Tuesday, December the 8th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on what could be a really significant day in the fight against coronavirus. The first doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine have been given to patients just days after it was approved for use in the UK. We're here in Kent. 80-year-old great-granddad Kenneth Lamb from New Romney was the first to have the jab at the William Harvey Hospital in Ashford. He said he didn't have to think twice. 97-year-old Ivy Smith is thought to be the oldest person getting the first dose of the vaccination today. She told staff she feels very lucky. Well, I've also been chatting to Dr Jack Jacobs. He's a GP in Ham Street, just south of Ashford, and he also agrees it's a momentous day. It's amazing and it is exciting. And I think that all the staff involved in the vaccination programme in the, in the NHS are really looking forward to Uh, getting started in administering the vaccine. How exactly is it going to work then? How much of the logistics do you know about? I know a little. Uh, It is complicated um, and I suspect over time it will become less complicated but at the moment because the vaccine hasn't passed every single bit of legislation it means that uh, it's going to have to take more time than we might expect. There's a bit more paperwork than we might expect as well so it's going to and we're also learning about this vaccine about how we handle it how we draw it up so it is going to take a bit longer to begin with than the vaccines we're all used to like the flu vaccine we've heard that the william harvey in ashford is a vaccine hub as it's being called what does that mean exactly because presumably the vaccine's got to get out to every single gp in the county at some point yes so to begin with you're right the uh william harvey is the vaccine hub uh, they have the uh, required sort of storage and stuff there. They've got the freezers that go to minus 70. Um, and also there are, at the moment, some quite complicated uh, bits of legislation around how you move the vaccine, because at the moment it's limited how many times it can be moved, how many times it can come in and out of fridge. So trying to work the logistics around that, about how you get it to general practice uh, and perhaps to care homes, and still just to be worked through with this particular vaccine. So who initially is going to be getting it and where are they, how are they going to be told that they can go and get the vaccine? That's a good question. So uh, the first cohort uh, that are being look, hopefully looked at are the people who are most vulnerable to the complications of uh, coronavirus infection. So they would be uh, patients who are in care homes and patients who are 80 and over. Uh, now, the next question was where they're going to get it. And I'm not sure anyone entirely knows yet, because obviously, ideally in care homes, we would administer a vaccine in the actual care home itself. And also, we do do that with flu vaccines. But again, because of the complications that we don't quite understand yet about how it can be moved, no one's quite sure. Uh, So I think to begin with, um, although they're the patient groups we want to focus on, certainly in the hospitals, I think they're going to be focusing on vaccinating their own staff. And, you know, there's good reason to do that because these are staff that are coming into contact with the disease every day. So the sooner we can vaccinate them, then we can keep our body of staff 
uh, within NHS organisations working. The warning is not to get complacent, though. Don't forget, Kent is still in tier three coronavirus restrictions and it's going to take months for the vaccine to be readily available across the county. In the seven days to December the 2nd, cases in Kent rose to 305 per 100,000, while in Medway they increased to more than 600 per 100,000, the highest level in the country. Meantime, East Kent Hospitals Trust has recorded the highest number of COVID-related deaths in England over the past three days. 18 people died within 28 days of testing positive and 11 of them were on Friday. Well, in some parts of Kent, you'll start to see more COVID marshals on the streets as we continue to be in Tier 3. They'll be out in places like Thanet, Tunbridge and Morling, Ashford and Folkestone to give advice to people and businesses about the restrictions. They don't have any powers to enforce the rules, though, and councils in other areas, including Canterbury, Dartford, Maidstone and Swale, say they don't feel they need to have them. And finally today, two secondary schools in Faversham have been forced to close because of coronavirus. The Abbey School and Queen Elizabeth's Grammar say they won't be able to reopen until the new year because of staff shortages. Pupils will have to do virtual learning from home until the end of term. Kent Online News. Some other of Kent's top stories today, and a man's made his first appearance at Crown Court, charged with murdering two women in Tunbridge Wells more than 30 years ago. Wendy Nell and Caroline Pierce were both in their 20s when they were found dead within five months of each other back in 1987. 66-year-old David Fuller from Heathfield in East Sussex appeared at Maidstone Crown Court via video link earlier. He's expected to enter a plea in the new year. Health and safety experts are investigating a chemical spill at an Amazon depot in Medway, which left several people with facial injuries. Police, firefighters and paramedics were called to the site on the Hoo Peninsula on Friday and four people had to be treated in hospital. It's understood to have involved a trailer that arrived in the early hours of the morning. Amazon say the safety of employees is their top priority. Now, you might remember on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about how the pandemic has led to really long delays at courts in Kent trials at Maidstone Crown Court, for example, are being scheduled for 2022. Now, there was quite a backlog already, but the closure of courts at the start of the pandemic and then trying to do socially distanced hearings has just made the situation even worse. Today, the issue has been raised in the Commons by Seven Oaks MP Laura Trott. Well, this is what she had to say, followed by a response from Chris Philp, the Minister representing the Ministry of Justice. Yeah. There's been a welcome focus from the Department on... Uh... Uh, domestic violence and sexual assault cases, not least of which the landmark recent domestic abuse bill. Uh, But we know that a delay in bringing these types of cases to court can lead to a significant increase in attrition rates and therefore convictions. So will ministers focus particularly on bringing these types of cases to court quickly? And will they meet with me and the Kent Police and Crime Commissioner, Matthew Scott, to discuss what more we can do? Well, uh, my honourable friend, the member for Seven Oaks, is quite right to draw attention to this very important area. Uh, It is certainly a matter which ministers are very mindful of and very focused on. Um, The judiciary decided uh, very early on in the pandemic to prioritise domestic violence protection orders. So even when much of the court system had um, stopped functioning in the immediate aftermath of the the first lockdown, uh, DVPOs continued. And I know that as judges consider which cases to list, um, they, they are very mindful of the points that she makes about protecting vulnerable witnesses 
and vulnerable victims. In addition to that, we have committed £28 million extra to support domestic abuse services and have specifically provided £800,000 to the Flows Project, providing free legal support to victims' work. My honourable friend, the member for Cheltenham, has been leading. Um, I would be delighted to meet with her and the Kent Police and Crime Commissioner, Matthew Scott, who is doing a fantastic job for the people of Kent, and I look forward to that meeting happening in the very near future. Bosses in Kent have confirmed they're able to take in unaccompanied asylum-seeking children again. The county council announced back in August it had reached capacity following a surge in people crossing the channel. Well, council leader Roger Goff now says they can safely care for more, but has warned a long-term solution is still needed. Yesterday, a baby with no socks or shoes on was among more than 100 people to cross the channel in near freezing conditions. They arrived in Dover despite a £28 million agreement between the UK and France to double police patrols on French beaches. The University of Kent says it's stepping up security after a student was grabbed by a man near its campus in Canterbury. The 19-year-old says she managed to run away after it happened near to accommodation at Hales Place. Another young woman is said to have been targeted on a footpath between Elliot College and Lyndhurst Close last month. A Kent woman has told the Kent Online podcast about the moment she was finally diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at just 29. Laura Chegwidden from Orpington found out she had the condition in September after sometimes being told by medics she was making things up. Well, according to new research, one in five people diagnosed with MS in the UK is under the age of 30. And it's hoped by 2025 potential treatments will be in the final stage of testing. This is what Laura had to say when she spoke to us. The official diagnosis came um, in sort of mid-September this year, but I've been having symptoms on and off um, for about 11 years now, um, but nobody had ever like connected the dots or anything. So I was kind of just put down to this weird case where I had all these like different medical conditions um, that were all diagnosed individually. And then this year, someone finally connected the dots and tested me for MS and had like lumbar puncture um, and brain and spine MRIs and they all came back positive. So yeah, so all the medical conditions that I've had over the last 10 years kind of all make sense now because it is due to MS. Some doctors just thought it was all in my head, like I was making things up, um, which is obviously difficult as well. Coming back home to my parents, it is, it's nice, but it's also strange because you don't really want your parents to have to take on the care as well when you're like 29 you kind of want to be independent and do your own things and go out with friends if you want to go out with friends um but yeah at the moment I've not been able to do that because I have not left the house alone for about a year and a half um mainly because I have issues regulating obviously got fatigue but I also have issues regulating my heart rate and blood pressure so that causes me to faint a lot um, so I am wheelchair bound when I'm out of the house, which is frustrating. Um, and then there's like all the challenges that go along with that. Uh, it's not an ideal situation to be in at all. You feel quite vulnerable as well. And obviously if I do pass out, then there is a risk that I might injure myself. So I don't feel comfortable going out alone at all. So usually like one of my family members will be with me or a friend. I've been passionate about science and about research since A-levels really, or even before that. Um, so I went to Bristol University to do an undergraduate in cancer biology and immunology and then I did a master's in sort of esophageal cancer genetics 
and I've then taken that further to now do a PhD in esophageal cancer genetics um, and I'm really, really passionate about it. I mean, it has been difficult over the years, obviously, with medical issues sort of going on as well as trying to do my degrees. But yeah, I'm kind of the person who doesn't like to give up easily. Um, so yeah, I enjoy it a challenge. And for the fourth time in just two weeks, there have been queues of lorries in Kent waiting to cross the channel today. Delays have been reported on the M20 and A20 as freight heads to the Port of Dover and Eurotunnel Terminal. It's unclear yet if it's linked to preparations on the other side of the channel ahead of the end of the Brexit transition period on December the 31st. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham are back in EFL Trophy action tonight. They travel to take on Cambridge United following a 2-0 win over Swindon Town in the league at the weekend. Manager Steve Evans spoke to us after that result and said there'll be plenty of changes as they'll be looking ahead to their next league game. I think there'll be nine or ten changes. You know, the nice thing is we know we need to be fresher at Doncaster, but what a wonderful opportunity for that nine or ten that's not been getting a lot of football to to turn up at Cambridge and produce a performance that, that starts them at, at Doncaster on a week today because we've proven as a management team we we don't care about reputations we don't we don't care about any of that we just pick it on form if you deserve to play you play enough the, the wonderful thing is all these young players in the dressing room know about it they've seen different players come in from nowhere and play Kendi wasn't the squad McKenzie wasn't in the group so they've seen people come from nowhere and play because we Playing in front of that crowd on Tuesday night, it will be a step forward when it steps. I think closer. listen, I think the other side of the coin's against us, but it's great in it. In all seriousness, I rib I rib some of my family because they're Cambridge fans, but home and away supporters, they love it. They support a great club. Cambridge's a great club. I was a local manager at rival at, at Peterborough. And um I've I, I go there midweek games if you know if I'm my family home is I go to the Abbey quite a few times and watch games. And if I'm being honest, if I'm there as a neutral, I like to see them win. So, um, but it'll be great. You're on about the crowd. It'll be great just to go out and hear supporters and hear a buzz. And and as we all know, the Abbey is is a tight little stadium. And to 2000, then there'll be it'll be a nice day of an atmosphere. Yeah. So, but we'll we'll do what we need to do on Tuesday. It holds no interest. But as I said to you, when the kickoff at 7.45, there'll be no different. We'll only win. So that means I'll be shouting and that means I've got plenty of stick. Kickoff tonight is at 7.45. Of course, don't forget to follow Kent Online Jills on Twitter for match updates. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. You can also subscribe to the IM News app, which will give you access to all of KM Group's newspapers. To do it, head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.